I learned a lot from my clients' idiosyncrasies. Yes. Well, you've, so you've had some very idiosyncratic clients. Believe me, everybody is idiosyncratic. <laughs> from our headquarters in New York City, this is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. My guest this week is Carlton Varney, legendary interior decorator and president of the iconic firm Dorothy Draper & Company. Over the scope of a storied career, Carlton has worked with everyone from Joan Crawford to Jimmy Carter, not to mention his 37 books, a long-running newspaper column, and a project he's been tweaking for over 50 years, the Greenbrier Hotel. I spoke with Carlton about the stories behind some of his most famous clients, why he encourages students to think beyond beige and gray, and the one line of a client contract that only Dorothy Draper could get away with. This week's podcast is sponsored by Cherish, interior designer's beloved source for chic, one-of-a-kind furniture, art, and decor. If you're a design pro and not in their trade program, you should be. Starting now, designers earn $75 cash for every $5,000 they spend on Cherish plus access to net pricing and specialized live customer service. Sign up at Cherish.com. That's C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H dot com backslash trade. Well, you've had so many remarkable clients. So tell me about that. I've had a career of having movie stars and presidents and great hotels and sports figures and industrialists, and all kinds of clients. But the one thing, when I was about 21 years old, and I had just come to the Draper office, we had Joan Crawford as a client, and we, I was yes. Crawford's decorator for 20 years. And Joan told me uh, early, I was doing a television show called Midday Live at that time, and she uh, told me one thing that I'll always remember, and was the key, I think, to a lot of the things that I did in my career. She called me over to her desk, and she always had her hair, red hair, was short, very dyed, and it was in a rubber band in the back. And She was in her scuffies because she didn't like to keep the floors, scratch the floors of her Manhattan apartment. She had a lot of little hang-ups about those she sort was, of things. But Joan was a love. She was uh, a, you, you're very forgiving, I know. I, but she I, was a love to me. And she sounds like she, she was called quite a me over and she said... <laughs> Look at me, Carlton. And I did. And I said, what would you like to say to me, Ms. Crawford? She said, I want to tell you one thing. I invented me. And you can do the same thing. Everything in your life, granted it takes some road to help, but you can do with your life and whoever you want to be if you work at it. And I always remembered that. I always remembered that the challenge was to concentrate. I'm not a person who ever wasted time. Uh, If I'm on an airline or something for a long time, I don't watch movies. I work on my new book or my new newspaper column. Yes. You're so prolific. How many books? I've written 37 books. 37 books that you've written. That's right. And 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 you're working on I'm more working, yes, as I'm we doing speak. a new one. Yes. yes. Which I'm actually finished a new one, which will come out next spring. And what's that going to be about? It's called Romance and Rhododendron. <laughs> and it's about my career at the Greenbrier. Ah, okay. Of how we made that America's summer pl- America's show 
place hotel, historic hotel, because it is like uh, the White House. And um, it's colored like the White House. I know in this age of beige and gray, and I have reasons to think that, mm. why, why that exists. But, you know, when you look at the White House as a red room, and a green room, and a blue room, yeah. and a gold room, and it's all magically colored in that kind of exuberant way. And the green bar is like that. That's why it's so it's so enormously successful. And uh, it is like a little city in itself, all magical. It's a dream place because it is so pretty. We've been doing hotels. Mrs. Draper did hotels way back when and made a name, an international name for herself and really became an icon, really, not because so much of the difference of her things, but she created a look. And like Frank Lloyd Wright created a look, you can always walk into a Draper room and say, this is Dorothy Draper. You can't say that about many other decorators. Well, and so many people say that about you now. So, I mean, you've carried on her legacy, but but a Carlton Varney room is- Oh, thank you. It's nice very distinguished. Hear. Yes. It is. It is. And I fortunately grew up in a time when buildings were lower. I grew up in Boston, of course, mm. and that was sort of classic. The architecture was interesting. This generation grew up in steel and glass. So all they saw was going up this gray and this steel. Yes. And then they, they wondered, what can I do with it? So they all went gray like that. They'd all do this kind of prison yard look and throw in a white sofa and maybe, just maybe, one pillow of acorn brown. <laughs> Well, I know this lack of color in today's decorating is a is a big issue it, for you. Really, and I look at some of the design magazines, and they're disturbing only because they show so much white and beige and colorless rooms that I'm afraid that the next generation that follows will be even less color. I always think that when you walk through the beautiful gardens of life, and you walk through a pretty garden that has colorful flowers, yellows and greens and pinks and blues, and everybody just loves it. Then they turn around and walk back home inside and they forget that that exists, that color exists. They all go back into neutral. That's never been part of your palette. No, no. Although we did, we did a lot of that Christian Dior gray at one time. Mm. Mrs. Draper liked it because she had worked with Dior on some things in coloring the outside of his building in Paris at one time. But it's not my scene. And I hope, I've spent 53 years trying to bring in color and magic to the insides, the windows and doors of America's homes. Yes. And that is what I'm still doing. Yes. Well, so so let's tell our listeners how this in, incredible career that you've had got got started? Well, I went to Oberlin College and graduated from Oberlin College in the late 50s. Then I, my majors, of course, were art history and Spanish. And then I went to the University of Madrid for mm. a couple of, for a short spell of time. And I came back and I got a job teaching at a school called New Rochelle Academy. And then through that connection, I wanted to really be a set designer. I've since done sets for the stage as well as for film. But, but that's uh, what you wanted to be at the time, a set at the designer. Time. Mm. And at that particular time, the greatest opportunity was working for somebody like Dorothy or Raymond Lowy, who had access to doing 
magical things. So that's what I did. Instead of doing sets for stage, we did sets for Waldorf ballrooms and uh, April and Paris balls. And well, how how did you become Dorothy Draper's protege? How did you become the the one that would ultimately take over her firm and carry on her legacy well, for all of these years? You know, Dorothy was getting old. She was older. Her brother, who was on Wall Street, you see, Dorothy never had a sense of money. She never needed any. She always could call Wall Street to send her up money if they. They, they delivered money to her? Was that a, they did because, I see. because a nice arrangement. she used her own family position money I see. to keep her co- company going. She was not a person who was interested in money. So she wasn't a, a good business person? No. No. If she was getting older, the family felt that it would probably be best if she <laughs> retired. Pass that the, business on to someone. Yeah. Some bright, talented well, young man. No, no, it wasn't quite like that. <laughs> so, Far more complicated. Some up and comer. It was more complicated than that. It was sold to three other people, companies actually. Oh. Uh, who were suppliers of woodworking and furniture and all that sort of thing. And then I actually acquired it through the network of those people. Dorothy was in the office about seven years. And then I took over. And we were the youngest. We were the youngest staff. Uh, I didn't have anybody over 30 at that time. And the first, when we were now two, we maintained, of course, the Greenbrier contract, which was very essential and still do. And then the first job we ever got that I went out, I got a job called Lincoln Square Motor Inn. And having a motor in as an account, uh, that was right at Lincoln Center, and it eventually was sold to the Chinese, and they made an embassy. And then there were other smaller projects that we did, uh, but we kept it. We kept it young and spirited, and we still are spirited and still young, right? No matter how long you've been in business. Listen, or, I've been. In, uh, you know, I am eighty-two years old. No. Yes. I don't believe that. Clint Eastwood is 88. Right. (laughs) I mean, octogenarians are redefining. And Iris Apple is 98. Yes. Your colleagues are doing great things. You're working on a book and now possibly a, a movie. I mean, there, there's no stopping you. Well, so how often do you write a column? You are you are so amazing. I well, can't, you can't see, I, actually, the newspaper column came after Dorothy. Okay. Was Dorothy had a newspaper column when the world was with the people who were uh, shared a column called Ask Dorothy Draper. And she was a Hearst, Hearst newspaper in the Hearst Syndicate. Mm, okay. And I was in the New York Post for 14 years. As the newspaper business began to drop off, I decided that I would do my column for Cox Communications, which was out of Atlanta. And I wrote the Palm Beach Daily News, and I still do. I've had my column in the Palm Beach Daily News for 41 years. Remarkable. We're taking a quick break to give you the insider scoop on the Cherished Trade Program. Join the Cherished Trade Program today and you'll receive new hotshot perks. Earn $75 cash for every $5,000 you spend on the site and access to a trade-only customer service hotline and snappy new project management tools to make your life even easier. 
And let's not forget the trade program's ongoing key benefits, including net pricing up to 30% off and 48-hour hold capabilities. To get in on the fun today, visit cherish.com backslash trade. That's C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H dot com backslash trade. And now back to the show. And and only you. There was a there was a column that you wrote just recently when you, after you went to see the Judy Garland. Oh, movie right. that's out. Right. You read my. You read I, my. Bi- you I read. read I read your column. Absolutely, it's a must read. And uh, and and you and you're so generous. Often calling out young designers and supporting oh, people. I, and one of the things that I have, and I'm so glad that I have this. I have no sense of jealousy. This I is this is one of the many say, traits of yours that I admire, Carl, because say, I I want to learn that. You know what what you give to this life and the thereafter is very important to me. It is because it it it, it sets an example to help the, uh, the people coming up and recognize their talents and abilities. I think that's very important. And the Judy column, I went to see the movie. Uh, of course, I was transfixed by uh, Renee Zellweger. Oh, Renee Zellweger's performance was I, uh, amazing. Yeah, having known Judy in the '60s, it was interesting, and I could almost envision her face was not totally it, but I almost thought she was. It was Judy. That was, that was how good it was. I said when I met her the first time, she was. She opened the door and um, she was in a white terry cloth robe and uh, no makeup. And uh, of course, in those days, she had no eyebrows. And because in those days when there was, you know, Gene Harlow and Hollywood stars never had eyebrows. They were shaved off and they were always drawing pencil line on. Uh, so I looked at this fa- face. It was a sad face in many ways. And she was on the 18th floor and... I was also doing Ethel Merman's apartment and she was on the 15th floor. So to be doing those two people together at the same time, the thing about Ethel is you have to know this, she never missed a performance. Those people came into that theater to see her and she knew who she was. It takes a bit of time in life to really know who you are, how, what, what you thought and what your talent is what your ability is to perform or decorate or what. I knew who, who I was creatively, but I'm trying now to work out how I became me psychologically. Mm. Why I feel like why I can talk to you like I talk to you. None of which is planned. I don't have to write a script. I don't have to read a note. I can just talk when I speak on a lecture platform. I never know what I'm going to say. Because I have to look at my audience and feel who they are. are they, uh, what kind of a group is it? Uh, is it the Bowling League Association of America in Las Vegas is calling me to speak to them? <laughs> right. Do you speak to the Bowling League very I often? I did, yes. yes. And, and, what did they, and, and the MGM, at MGM with a huge audience, the Ladies Bowling League. The Ladies Bowling League? So uh, tell so me about that. What did you say to them? Because there were people who read my newspaper column in those years and they were Lots of papers and lots of people who were running Dear Carlton. I mean, I used to get a lot of those letters. And what would they write to you about? Well, it's a Dear oh, Carlton. I have two. I have my my walls are orange, and I, I want to buy a, 
uh, 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 something kind of rug. And I saw his pictures over here are the samples. I got thousands of oh, these. Bless letters. their hearts. And so they were writing for all this design advice that yes, you were giving Yes, thousands them? of letters in oh. my career. Thousands. I used to save them. And a lot of them I would answer. Sometimes not in the column, but when they would send a picture of their child's room and uh, they'd want to know how I could, and this little child or girl or boy, whatever. And I, I had a heart to tell them what I would do. And some of them came, have come to me later on in life and said that they remembered how oh. I did that. Many of them do. You know, you think you write a letter to some, a newspaper column, a columnist, will I ever get back a letter? Of course you don't, not going to get a letter back uh, in general. But I used to try. It was overwhelming. <laughs> well, you got so many letters. I'm sure it was, it was hard to keep up. But but, but how wonderful that you were able to respond to, to some of them. And but, so yeah, there've been lots of those uh, essences, you know, from you know from movie stars to some of my clients. You know, I was with Mr. Rockefeller. I did some hotels for them. You know, Lawrence never liked a television in a room. He never liked a telephone that could call out. He didn't, he didn't like to have that. the front desk. So in, in the, down in the islands, they had to put in outside phone booths. Because he didn't want them in the house. Didn't want phones, telephones. He didn't want long distance. Because he thought that that was invasive? Yes. Or? And of course, one of the things I learned from that project was Lawrence never liked sand that was interrupted with aqua blue chaises and big balloon umbrellas that looked like they were a carnival. If there was going to be a chair on a sand, it had to be sand. It had so to it blend. Didn't, it didn't interrupt the beauty of the nature. I see. I learned a lot from my clients' idiosyncrasies. Yes. Well, you've, so you've had some very idiosyncratic clients. Believe me, everybody is idiosyncratic. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I mean- T- tell us, tell us about some of your some of your more challenging clients and what you've had to what you've had to do. I mean, you're you're very forgiving about Joan Crawford. I know that. Oh, I love Joan. I she, have to say that. Well, yes, you you love her, and I love and her. you worked she with, with her for friend. years. When I first met her, she was living at Two East Seventieth in that big Skidmore Owens apartment that she'd done with, and when she was selling it. She sold it to Miss uh, to Walter Annenberg's sister, Mrs. Mm. Simon. And it was interesting that they Mrs. Simon took the whole apartment and redid the modern thing. So what what it was that she bought just for the location? Joan uh, had everybody. She lived in rooms that were colder than normal people. Mrs. Simon went up to her bedroom, which was in that glass thing overlooking the Frick Museum, and she said. I'm cold. And Joan had, nobody wore their shoes in the apartment. They had to use these scuff things. Joan had a wardrobe that went from that wall to end wall. And everything was lined up. The white, then it went to off-white. Then it went to yellow. Then it went to gold. Then it went all the clothes, gowns and so forth. Shoes all matched to match dresses, gloves. Jewelry to put. Mm, to how fantastic. Hats, a woman after my own all heart. All lined, the whole thing. And then there was one end of the room that had all furs, from sables to minks or whatever it was. I have one of our old silver fox 
stoles or something. I think it's, it's got, it's lost its hair now. Do you wear it around the house? No, I don't wear it. Okay. <laughs> but okay. sometimes Just, my guests know. used to. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it's very nice to slide into. So Joan said to Mrs. Simon, and she, and just as she would do, actress, she would do, she opened the thing and she said, choose if you want coat. If you're cold, you choose. There were 50. Take from among my vast collection of furs. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she never wanted to sell that apartment. We're taking a quick break from the show to hear from one of our sponsors. When it comes to home technology, black plastic gadgets are out and friendly human design is in. With Google Nest, you can get a little extra help at home without sacrificing design. Nest Hub and Nest Mini are designed with soft color sand fabrics that fit right in on the side table or kitchen counter. And they're powered by the Google Assistant, so you can control your home with your voice. Just say, hey Google, good morning. And the Google Assistant can turn up the heat, turn on the lights, and tell you the latest forecast, traffic on the way to work, and even the headlines. It's a personalized briefing from an assistant that knows you best. It's a little help at home like only Google can. And now, back to the show. When you think about some of the incredible projects that you've done, you mentioned earlier the Greenbrier, which you've been working on uh, practically your whole life. Yes, yeah, so 53 years. Right? Yeah. Well, so some of the great hotels that you've done are some of the most beloved spaces in America. How, how is it that more people aren't inspired by that? How is it that more people don't look at what you've created and the magic that you've created? Well, they didn't grow up in the world I grew up in. Mm. I, when I was a child, my, my parents grew up in doing gardening. and They had an awareness of things that were classic. And my grandmother used to say, one thing about my grandmother was this. She had a room on the third floor of the house that was all shellac cabinets with, with metal things. And she kept... All things wrapped up in paper with strings. And my grandmother never folded a, 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 a tablecloth. She rolled them. She had rollers so they wouldn't have any wrinkles. Mm. I was a child who grew up where I couldn't go to school if my shirt had a wrinkle down the side. It had to be done on a sleeve board. <laughs> oh, my so goodness. So my grandmother took her curtains in the winter, in the summer, and put them in curtain bags. They were like pillowcases, the long pillowcases, so that the dust on the avenue was supposed to be for air conditioning. But she had this room with all those things in it. And I always said to her, china and silver and glass and all these pretty things. I asked her one day, what are all those things in that third floor room? And she said, those are the things we save for good. I don't save for good. I live with good. Mm. Well, so... You talk about sort of wanting people to to live with the beautiful things that they have and, yes. and, and to and to enjoy this life. I know you do a lot of public speaking and I know you you, you speak to a lot of uh, young people, young designers. And, yes, and I was just down at SCAD. So tell me about that. Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, when I went down, I spoke to the interior design class, interior design students. There were about 150 or maybe slightly more. And we had a wonderful time. They were very interesting kids. They weren't so much kids. They were 19. They were young adults from all over the world, from mm. Italy, from Israel. And they asked brilliant questions about what I was trying to get across to them, not to live in this world of beige and gray. Even though you're in the world of sky rises, and once you build a sky rise, 
hotel, building, hotel. Do you have to make it beige and gray or with maybe with an accent of t- t- pumpkin? Uh, and th- th- you can paint an office in a high-rise hotel red if you want. What's wrong with it? <laughs> there are no rules, right? <laughs> but they think it should be white or leave it as it is. Yeah. I was fascinated with students, uh, and they they were a great group, I must say. And and what did they want to hear from you? What did they ask oh, you? They want, they want to live your life. They want you to tell them everything about your life. They want to ask you why you wear red socks, why you... <laughs> who you, you were married did you tell to? Tell him Van Johnson was a yeah, big who you, who <laughs> inspiration for you. <laughs> yeah, I did. He was a good guy. Oh, he uh, seemed like an amazing. Guy. He, uh, no, they want to know everything. They also because it's a world of also it's a world of trivia. They want to know everything from why you married who or who you didn't marry. You know, they want to know about Crawford. It's interesting. I asked. You know, some of these people are obsolete. That I, I who remembers Polly Bergen? Mm. I mean, if I talk about Polly Bergen, nobody knows who sure, she was. But I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I said, how many of you remember Joan Crawford? And all the hands went up. Which I think is so great. I, I love that 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 they still have an appreciation about her. But I'm sure the kids were fascinated by by your career. And who wouldn't want to learn how to become Carlton Varney? I mean, if I were a, a student just starting out, I'd want to I'd want to know everything that led to your incredible career and your incredible well, life. I, the thing that's led to my career is I never planned it. It's all destiny. You just have to work hard and be have passion for what you do. Most people are not passionate about what they do. Yeah, but you're so passionate about it, and 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 it's and it's been hard work, though, right? I mean, let's not oh, romanticize it. I mean, it's oh, been it's not. It isn't easy. Is it is it harder today? You know, so many designers tell us clients are more difficult today, or clients are more demanding. Well, that's because they don't want everything for free. Well, <laughs> well and that's real, right? <laughs> that's I mean, real. they don't think they should pay designers. Why do you think that happened? Why do you think people started to attempt to diminish the value of interior designers as if they don't legitimately deserve to get paid the same way lawyers and doctors? And where, where did that come from? It wasn't uh, always Because I've always said the taste is like fog. You can see it coming in, rolling in, and you can feel it on your skin, but you can never touch it. There's nothing underneath. And I always say... I don't believe there is good taste or bad taste, only taste. And all those people have their own taste. And if you have to weave into their taste, Mm. they don't want your taste. Buildings that I do, resorts and so forth and so on and so on, they are my feeling. Dorothy had a line in her contract that said, Thank you very much for employing Dorothy Draper and company to do the interiors of your country, Chloe. We shall do it on the following basis. Number one, Dorothy Draper shall be the sole arbiter of the taste of the interiors. Now, not many people could get away with that. No. Particularly if it's residential. Designers would like that. Because you have to take into consideration who these people are. What was there yesterday? Mm. Where did they grow up? How do they come to this? Do they want to be somebody they're not? Do, or they want to accept themselves they are? Most of the people oftentimes want to be somebody that they're not. But I've always said, to be a Rockefeller, you have to be born a Rockefeller. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with being who you are. 
And that's what uh, is part of the picture. Every good home is a combination of the past, now with room to grow in. When you go to the great houses of Europe, you don't want to see them beige and gray. You want to see the patina of yesterday with the next generation on top of it. That's why they're interesting. People bring the new lamp, they bring the new paintings, they do. It says it has patina, it has a, a fragrance to it. There's a scent to it. There's a sensual scent to it as well. Mm. So that's what appeals. And that's what makes somebody happy in their own home, that they're there. It isn't the decorator who's all there. There are some great, great inspirational decorators in this country and in Europe who can create magic, magic. But they have to have with them the client who's magical. Mm, who wants to go along for that kind of ride. And that's the challenge today. Yeah. And, and, and it seems that, and I don't know if this is just a sweeping generalization that clients in general have less vision. Certainly there are visionary clients. I'm, I'm assuming that somebody hires it's you. It's the younger generation who's grown up with a seal and glass. So that's what you think it is. I think a lot of it. They don't see it. Mm. I only say it because I think they should hear somebody else say it. And as I said down at SCAD with Paula Wallace's suit, come on, come on, get happy. It's a Judy Garland so song. Somewhere over the rainbow. Know there's a rainbow there. And go to see Judy. Yes, and exactly. <laughs> if there's one takeaway message, it's go to see Judy <laughs> and the right. remarkable performance from Renee Zellweger. So I know that Paige Rents played a big role in your career. Tell me about how uh, you, you first came to, to know Paige. I met Paige first out in San Francisco. Uh, I had done a hotel there uh, called the Westbury at Powell and Sutter Street. It was a high rise. And there was a design show going on. And David Hicks did, uh, did one space and I did another space. And she had taken over that job at Architectural Digest. And the editor had been, uh, the page took over, had been murdered. Mysteriously. Mysteriously in a mm. parking lot out in San Francisco. Yes. And Paige had come in. I don't think Paige had had any training in that and being edited. I don't think she'd had any magazine training at all. No, I don't think so. In fact, the name Paige, she was, was created name. She took that because she had worked in a, as a page in a theater. Mm, okay. And she took the name Paige. And she took that. And I worked with Paige. And I, uh, when she came into New York, I was the one who gave her a party. Suzanne and I gave her a party in the Salvador Dali suite at the St. Regis. And I had invited uh, Mario and uh, Hampton and several of the people that I know, Mark and Paige came. And we did a number of things together. She uh, was influential in that group mm. uh, because the, the, the digest has changed, so it's not the same publication in the least. Well, so, what do you think about it? Well, I don't. I think that uh, that Paige was a person who had an eye. Mm. She had the ability to create an eye through her vision. She could see things that through the camera 
that uh, that I would not have seen. Mm. And she asked me, one of the last things I did with her was I did the green room the at, green the room. Os- at the Oscars. Yes, Oscar, I remember. Which was very Dorothy Draper. I remember uh, one of the stars coming in and saying, I'll take it all. <laughs> <laughs> but when the magazine changed, it, it sort of lost its magic. It lost its, uh, uh, there wasn't any star around to run it. Paige had made herself into a star. Mm. And she had been there for so long, I yeah. mean. And she, was, and she was very specific. She wanted, no, if you were in her magazine, she didn't want you in any other. I know. And I think you might have violated that rule, Carl. <laughs> well, it wasn't I... my rule. <laughs> Actually, it was a house that I would, uh, op- we had done out in uh, Wisconsin. Mm. And the owner of the house was also in a in business, and it was in the design and plumbing and tile. It was the biggest, biggest of its kind in the state of Wisconsin, mm. and he had his own PR people. So if she didn't want it, their PR people were going to go. It didn't have anything to do, but the, but she wasn't happy when eleven pages. And House Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, life isn't made by one person. I remember when I first read it, I started writing children's books, and I would get the, all these, <laughs> these, reje- these rejection letters. It's only one person that you rejects. If the next one rejects, but there's somebody maybe who's going to like it. Right. <laughs> so nothing in this world is dependent on one person who likes or dislikes. So if you reject it by one, keep going on. <laughs> keep keep going. Stay strong. I I know that I know that Paige was disappointed in in you, and and there might have been a period where you were kept from the magazine after. Oh that. yeah, but that it wasn't the only magazine. Right, exactly. You found other magazines to take your projects. Oh, the as whole it turned world out. changed. Yes, exactly. There was television, and there was home shopping. That work in yes. midday live, and there was inside design, and there was all kinds of stuff. Yes, yes. It turns out that, that, didn't, that. that didn't end your career once you were no longer on the pages of Architectural <laughs> Digest. That didn't slow you down. But it was a time where where an editor did have an incredible power that that they that they don't have in the same way to, today. To no, be, to they be don't. Sure. No, sure. they don't. You know, everybody wants to be in Cindy Adams' column. <laughs> if you're not in Cindy, you're nobody. Right. <laughs> but but they, I don't, you know, Cindy is perhaps, she is the last of those major columnists. Mm. So there was Susie and there was Liz Smith and there was Charlie Knickerbocker and there was Joyce Haber. And there was Dorothy Kilgallen and there was Walter Winchell. But the only one that has... Because there's so much gossip magazine. Yes. And there's in style, you can read gossip. Anyway. There's no shortage of, of good gossip to be had. <laughs> That's what they all want. Yes. And they still want to watch Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carlton, I, I can't thank you enough for coming to spend time with us. Okay, I'm glad to do it. This is such a privilege. Thank, thank you. you very much. My guest has been the extraordinary Carlton Varney. Thank you again for listening. If you're enjoying these conversations, I hope you'll consider sharing the podcast with a friend or heading over to the iTunes store to leave us a review. It helps others to discover our show. We love your feedback. Please send us your thoughts at podcast at businessofhome.com. 
Our show was produced by Fred Nicolaus and Lauren Pirelli and edited by Nina Pollock. I'm Dennis Scully. We'll see you next week.